Job chapter 38, verse 22. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the father, has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth, and who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinance of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of water may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Let's take a moment and pray together, pondering on the greatness of God, the intensity of his presence, the creator, the almighty, and who we are in comparison to that glory. Let's take a few moments. My strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, 
when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. Oh, 
forget how rich is my condition. God and heaven are still my home. Let the world despise and leave me. They have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me. Thou art not like them untrue. Oh, while thou dost smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, those may hate and friends disown me. Show thy face and all his price. Go then, earthly fame and treasure. Come disaster, scorn, and pain. In thy service, pain is pleasure. With thy favor, loss is gain. I have called thee, Abba, Father. I have stayed my heart on thee. Storms may howl and clouds may gather. All must work for good to Rise, O sin and fear and care. Joy to find in every station. Something still to do or bear. Think what spirit dwells within thee. Think what father's smile on thine. Think that Jesus died to win thee. Child of heaven, canst thou repine? Haste thee on from grace to glory. Armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before thee. God's own hand shall guide thee there. Soon shall close thy earthly mission. Soon shall pass thy pilgrim days. Hope shall change to glad fruition, faith to sight and prayer to praise.
Lord, you are our rock. Lord, you are the centerpiece of our lives Mm -hmm. that keeps us grounded in storm and gale, who keeps us humble in times of good and fortune. You are our rock. You are our lighthouse. You are that by which we may always look and know where we are. built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm he is Lord Lord of all when darkness seems to hide his face I rest on His unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil My anchor holds within the veil Christ
Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love, and through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. In Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love, and through the storm, He is Lord, Lord. you've built in your name Jesus amen you can be seated This morning's reading is going to be 2 Peter, uh, verses 3 through 11. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, Christian love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Good morning, everybody. We want to invite our children to Children's Church. And uh, let me uh, open us uh, with prayer. Lord, um, it is really amazing, as Kyle was saying, that we have been built into 
a spiritual house into your dwelling place that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your work in redeeming us, we are living stones founded on that cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Stones aren't worthy. They did nothing to earn the right to be put into that building except for sit there. And Lord, we, we haven't earned a right to be here. We haven't earned a right to be in your presence. And yet, Lord, you call us and you save us and you redeem us. Lord, thank you for these things. It's just really hitting me this morning how your grace is so much more than we deserve. Um, Father, I want to pray for Joel and Ashley as they're still in the Czech Republic, I think. Their flight was canceled, and so now they're having to wait another week to get out. And uh, Lord, I pray that they would be redeeming the time that they have there. Um, I can't imagine what they're doing or what they're facing, but uh, Lord, we pray that you're with them in their waiting. And uh, Lord, that you would get them onto an airplane that would get them home soon and safely. And we pray again for the work they did in the summer camp there. Father, that there would have been um, times where you opened up relationships and possibilities, Lord, for the gospel to be shared, not only with the students who came to the summer camp, but also with their parents. And Lord, we pray that you would shed your glory abroad throughout the Czech Republic. And uh, thank you for Joel and Ashley's participation in that, that calling, that work that you've given us to do. Lord, as we turn now to your word, I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds. Help us to see and understand what it is that you're saying. Lord, sink it deep within us and conform us to the image of Christ through the power of your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So most of you know, or pretty much everybody knows, I teach a Saturday morning class at ABC, a computer class. And it's pretty much inevitable, just about every term, there's going to be a student who's taking algebra and hates it. And, and I'll hear them talking and somebody will say, I'm taking college algebra and I really don't understand why because I'm going into communication and what do I care and it doesn't matter and I'm never going to use this stuff. And so once I hear that, I go, okay, everybody, sit down, buckle in, we're going to have the shut up and do the math lecture. Because they're looking at the mathematics and going, I, it's not like I'm going to walk into a grocery store and see 40x plus 7 equals 210 and have to solve that to buy apples. Why do I care how to solve 40x, you know, that kind of, that whole thing. And so my, my response to that is, you, you may use it, you may not. You're here at this college, not for a Votech, right? We're not teaching you auto mechanics, and that's all you'll ever learn is auto mechanics. This is a liberal arts education. At our best, when we're doing our job the best we possibly can, we're teaching you how to think. So when you sit down with that, that, abstract mathematical equation and you have to solve for x, you're not being taught a skill that you can go out and apply. You're being taught how to think, how to problem solve, how to get from point A to point B. What do I have to do to get to this answer? What, what's going to be a rabbit trail? What's not going to work? You're being taught how to think. And so shut up and do the math. It's good for your brain. It'll help you begin to solve problems in, in a more logical fashion. And so usually at that point, the student will sit back and go, okay, but I still hate it. And I'm like, that's cool. That's all right. You can hate it. But let it do what it's going to do in you. So this idea of just letting a skill, letting some information in your brain teach you how to think is what Peter is actually going to be doing for us this morning, actually for the next couple of weeks. Um, I had Jim read through verse 11. We are not going to be able to cover that in one shot. That's probably going to be about three weeks worth of preaching to get through that whole section. But what Peter's doing as we start out in his letter, remember I said the, the point of his letter is he wants us to grow in grace. 
And that's what he says, the very last verse of, um, of the book. Chapter 3, verse 18, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He began the book that way. Verse 1, to those who have... Um, t- oh, no, I'm sorry, verse 2, the blessing. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So his point is that grace and knowledge be multiplied to us. So the first thing he's going to do is he's going to teach us how do you think, what do you have to know to grow in grace? Now, if you're paying attention, this should cause a bit of a question. What is grace? Well, grace is God's love for us unearned. We didn't do anything to deserve it. How how do you know that? Because he predestined us in love. Ephesians chapter 1, before we even existed, he had already set his love on us. There was nothing we could do to earn it because we didn't exist. So he's just fixed his love on us. That's what grace is. But God's grace is not love like, well, I have your picture on the mantle, and every once in a while I turn around and look at it and smile. That's, that, I have this warm feeling. God's love is so much more than just a warm feeling. He is doing things in our life He is actively at work in us because of his love. For God so loved the world that he looked at a picture of it on his mantle. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's love fixed on us, his grace is something we can't earn. You will never be good enough to earn God's grace. As a matter of fact, if you try, you've just disqualified yourself from it. It is God's favor towards us because he decided to. So if that's what grace is, if grace is God's love unearned, unmerited on us, how can Peter look at us in the face and say, okay, now that, grow in it. Wait, how do I grow in what I can't earn? What am I supposed to do? Well, Peter doesn't leave us hanging. He's going to explain it to us, and he's going to start this morning with what we have to know. What do we have to have in our brain to grow in grace? Okay, so let's start with this. He starts in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things. Wait, whose divine power? His. I think typically when you hear his, you're thinking God the Father. But who did he just talk about? The end of chapter, or verse 1, I'm sorry, the end of verse 1, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when he says his divine power, I think he's speaking primarily of Jesus Christ. And why would I say that? Is that just a nitpicking thing? No, no. We know God tangibly through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God in the bosom of the Father has revealed him. How do you know God? You know God through Jesus Christ. So God is not just some abstract principle up there. He has been revealed to us in Jesus. So when he says his divine power, he's talking about God, yes, but for us, he's talking about God as he's come to us in Jesus Christ. So it's his divine power, Jesus' divine power, his divine power, not earthly. It's not some uh, brain game. It's not some power that, that you know, eventually will wear out. Um, the power of the Roman Empire is no more. As threatening and as incredible as it was, divine power doesn't have that problem. It has no shelf life. It doesn't expire after a while. His divine power, his divine power is limitless. It's not going to be able to reach far enough to do everything it tries to do. His divine power is, fills all things. So his divine power, what has it done? It has granted to us all things. 
So there you go. That's grace. His divine power has granted. Did you earn it? Did you start out in it? Did you, did you achieve the heights of what was needed? No, his divine power granted it to you. It was given. If you get a grant, you don't pay it back. That's a loan. This is a grant. He has granted to you through his divine power. So when we saw, talk about growing in grace, you have to understand you start in grace. You don't climb into grace. He's granted it to you by his divine power. So it'd be like taking a seed and setting it on cement and going, okay, seed, now get into the dirt and start growing. It's not going to happen. But if you take that seed and you plant it in the ground and you put dirt over it and you put water on it and maybe some uh, compost and that kind of stuff, and then you tell the seed, okay, now grow. You got everything you need. You didn't get there by hard work. You got there because God put you there, but he's also provided everything you need. God, through his divine power, has granted us everything, all things that we need. All things, not most of them. Not the big ones. These are the important ones. His divine power has granted us all things. All things for what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, some Bibles translate that as a godly life. And that's not bad, because if you have everything you need for life and for godliness, what will your life look like? Well, if you've got everything for godliness, you'll have a godly life. So those two go together. That's okay. That's not a bad way to translate it. But it's more uh, a little closer to the Greek to say, he's granted us everything we need for life and godliness. What are you missing? What do you feel like you don't have? What is it that you're like, man, if I just had this, then I could really walk with God. He's granted to you everything you need for life and godliness. In his wisdom, in his understanding, he knows what you need, and he's granted it to you. How? How do I get that? Where, where do I see that? How do I attach that? His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. What do you need to know to grow in grace? Him. You need to know who God is. You need to understand who God is. You need to look at Jesus Christ and say, that's what I'm talking about. That's who I want to know more of. Because as Jesus has revealed God to us, he is showing us the fullness of all who God is. So you can get upset about having to you know, understand all the divine attributes and, and how do they fit together. And, and we were talking this morning in Sunday school about the economic trinity. And um, I mentioned the big fancy word last week, perichoresis which is a fancy way of saying the mutual indwelling. The father indwells the son, the son indwells the father. You can, you can look at those and go, I, that is so beyond me, Tim. You're the theology nerd. You figure it out. You may not have to get that deep into all the details, but you do need to know who God is. You do need to know what he's shown us through, your, through his word. He's revealed to you himself in the person of Jesus Christ. In previous days, he spoke to our fathers in different ways, but in these last days, he's spoken most clearly to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's divine power, his divine power is granted to us everything we need for life and godliness, how to live a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us for his uh, glory, who has called us for his glory and his excellence. His, 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 how wonderful he is. So as you consider who God is, what you're seeing is this person who is filled with glory, who is filled with excellence. Everything that you could think could be right 
You look at Jesus Christ and you say, it's right. Everything is right there. It's perfect. It's, It's exactly what should be. Now, how on earth does that connect with me here today trying to live a godly life? Wrestling with the temptations and the, and the trials and all of those things. How do, how do I get from Jesus' perfection to it makes my life different? Well, that's where he goes in the next verse. In verse 4, he says that he has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So I think the way that we connect with God's excellencies, his perfections, his, his love, his wrath, his justice, his mercy, all of who he is, his, his omniscience, his omnipresence, how we connect that down here to real life on a day-to-day basis is through his great, his very great and his precious promises. Because what you're doing, what God does is when he makes a promise to us, it's not like buying an, buying an extended warranty. It's not endemic part of the purchase. You added that on, you tacked that on. His promises are not tacked on. His promises flow from who he is. Why am I making you this great and this very precious promise? Because it's who I am. I'm the kind of God that does that. Does God need to make a promise? Like I remember when I was in seminary, I was working really hard and, and just kind of burning out. And my youngest came to me and said, Papa, can we go to the park? And I said, yeah, sure. And she looked me dead in the eyes and said, do you promise? And I said, yeah. Why did she look me in the eyes and demand a promise? Because she knows me. I was working so hard, I would probably fall asleep before I'd get to the, the park. I had to make a promise because I'm fallible, because I will fall asleep, because I will forget, because I'll get busy with something else, because I have a short attention span about that big and will wind up thinking of something else. So I needed my daughter to look me in the face and go, do you promise? And I had to say yes. Does God have to do that? Does God have to look at us and say, I promise, because there's a danger he might not? It's rooted in who he is. He is faithful. He will keep his promises. So what are his promises for? For us. We're the one who's going to doubt. We're going to be the ones who go, maybe he forgot. Maybe he, he doesn't like me anymore, something like that. No, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. And they're rooted in who he is. And so when we look to God and we look at his promises and we remember his promises to us, we go, that's because that's the kind of father he is. That's because that's the kind of savior he is. So he has granted to us, through his divine power, he's granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through these great and precious promises by remembering who he is, by focusing on who he is. How does that connect, though? How does that, we look at the promises, we go, yes, that's what God's like, but how does that affect me on a day-to-day basis, on, on a moment-by-moment? He says, he has granted to us his great and precious promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So through these great promises, through these tremendous promises that he's given us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where I go, you're going to join me there. These are great and tremendous promises. And by hearing those promises, trusting those promises, looking forward to those promises, what Peter tells us is you participate in the divine nature. What does that mean? That does not mean you become divine. 
Sorry. It would be nice, but that's not communicable attributes. God doesn't give those to us. What then does it mean to participate in the divine nature? Well, God is who he is. He just is. It's called the simplicity of God. He isn't little bits and pieces of different things. He just is. He is the fullness of reality. So when we are in alignment with him, when we're doing the things that he's called us to, when we're walking with him, we're trusting in his promises, we're participating in the nature of God. Not joining in it, but we are, we are experiencing it. God is love. And so when we experience his love, we're experiencing not some foreign part of him, but we're experiencing who he is. It's the divine nature that's coming to us. And we get those through trusting in those precious and very great promises and looking forward to them and going, Lord, I believe you when you say this. I trust you when you tell me this thing that's true. So we are partakers in that divine nature. We get to taste it. We get to live in it. We get to walk in it. We are partakers in the divine nature. And here's where it comes down to everyday life. Having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. And this is where it loops back to the beginning. When you know him, when you have a knowledge of who God is, the, the word, uh, I think Jim's translation said, uh, what was it, real knowledge or great knowledge or true knowledge? It has a prefix on it that makes it more intensive, epigenosis. It's, it's a deeper, it's a full knowledge. It's not like some hidden special thing. It's just the fullness of the knowledge. When you understand who he is, when you see him for who he is, when you experience his love through Jesus Christ, that he looked at cosmic rebels and didn't say, starting over again, instead looked at him and said, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you in. You're going to wind up where I wanted you to be. Your desire gets aligned correctly. You see God for who he is and his beauty and his majesty and his glory. And if God has cleared your sight, you see that, you go, yes, that's what I want. I want more of that. I want more of him. You escape the corruption of this world, which is here because of evil desires, because our desires are broken. They're twisted. We want the shortcut. Give me the easy answer. I don't want to have to wait and suffer with God. I'll just eat the apple and it's done. I'm, I'm like him. I participate in the divine nature, right? No. When we see him for who he is, when we hear that he has promised great things for us, that he has, through the person of Jesus Christ, has given us all that we need, then we want more of him. And as we want more of him, we look at those evil desires and we go, you know what? That's pulling me away from God, not toward him. I don't want that. I want to escape from that. I want to be weaned off of that. That's what it means to grow in grace. That's what it means to become more of who God wants you to be. As you look at those evil desires, those, those wicked things that draw you away, and you go, I don't want that. I want more of him. He's much more, infinitely more uh, desirable, delightful, beautiful than these, these other things that, that just want to draw me out. So that's how we grow in grace is by knowing who God is, by seeing more of him. So here's the question. How do I do this on a daily basis, Tim? Tomorrow morning when I wake up, how do I grow in grace? Well, Peter's going to give us some more tangible steps in the next coming weeks, but just based on this, what I'd like to offer is a handful of, of suggestions. So tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I wake up, how 
Do I grow in grace according to what we've learned so far? Well, I'd say number one, read your Bible differently. When you read your Bible, what you should be looking for is, who is God here? What is God doing? What part of his divine nature am I seeing exhibited in this verse? So I'm in Judges right now. Judges is a rough ride. It just, it gets progressively worse. If you're looking in Judges and going, what principle for life can I take home? How can I, you know, what, what practical tips do I get here? It's going to be kind of hard. You're going to wind up with a bunch of don'ts. But that's not what the Bible's about. The Bible is about Jesus Christ. It's about his revelation. So when you read the book of Judges and you hear about Gideon, instead of going, well, all right, so here's the lesson. Don't fleece God twice. Right? Put the fleece out. If, it, if, if it's really you, you put the dew on it. And the next morning, put it off of it. That's missing the point. God's not in the center of that. He's periphery to it. So how would you read the book of Judges? Try this. If I try to rule by myself, I'm going to do something stupid. I'm going to be Barack and go, I'm not going, not unless you come with me. I'm, you know. I'm, not, I'm too chicken to go into battle. You're, you're going to be Gideon and go, okay, I know that you came and told me that and, and you demonstrated your power, but let's just one more test, Lord. Instead, look at that and go, you know what? If I do this, I'm going to mess it up. But look what God did even when these guys messed it up. The end of each one of those cycles of, of judges and the Lord delivered Israel from her enemies. God's going to be faithful through this. No matter how dorky I am, he's going to come through and deliver me. Now, don't be dorky. <laughs> don't, you don't, don't embrace that. But, but the point is, you're fallen. That's who you are. That's what's going to happen. God is faithful. And ultimately, where you go with the book of Judges is where I think the book leads, which is by the end, what you'll hear a number of times is, there was no king in Israel, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. When you get to that point, when you've heard that refrain and you've heard the stories, the horrible stories of Samson, he's the worst. He, I don't know how the guy gets a flannel, flannel graph. He was the absolutely worst judge. When you get to done with Samson, when you get to the epilogue with the, the, um, the guy who chops up his concubine, I mean, it's, it's horrible. You go, we need a king in Israel. This ain't going to work. And where our heart should be is not Saul. Not David, but look where David's pointing. Who's the greater king? So read your Bible differently. Look for Jesus Christ in there. Find him. Find him meeting your needs. I've said this before. I'm going to do it again because I think it's a great illustration. You are not David slaying your giants in your life. That ain't you. You know who you are in that story? Israel hiding in a hole, trembling. The greater David has come out and slayed the bigger Goliath. Jesus Christ is our king. So read your Bibles differently. Don't look for you. Look for Jesus Christ, and you'll find you. You'll be in there because he's showing how he's redeeming us. So Monday morning, when you open your Bible, wherever you're at, read differently. Look for God. Look for what God is doing. How is he showing me more of who he is? I want to know him. I want to know, have true knowledge of him. So read your Bible differently. The next thing you can do is pray differently. We, I talked about this when we were talking about the practice of prayer. If prayer is reciting a checklist, 
I've got my thoughts and I've got my ideas and, and Lord, here's what you need to do for me today. If it is just checking off the duties, it'll be hard to stick with. It'll be hard to connect with that. But if you pray and you say, Lord, what I want to do is for just this moment right now, I want to rearrange my desires. I want to rearrange my priorities. I want to put my loves in a different order. And Lord, I'm coming to you in prayer because I want more of you. Lord, show me who you are. And you have that moment, that time of just putting things aside for a moment and, and delighting in who he is. He will come and he'll meet you. It may take a while because he might be drawing you out, but have that time. Look at prayer not as my opportunity to present my checklist of needs to God. He knows what you need before it leaves your mouth. But instead, consider prayer. I want to know more of you, Lord. I want to have some time with you. I want to just tune out the world for a minute and, and pray. Seek him in prayer first and see if he doesn't take care of all those other things. Now, if, if we are all, any non-human beings here? No, we're all human beings, right? So I know what I'm like when I start praying. By about halfway through the prayer, I'm already thinking about, oh, you know what? I've, I've got to do these five things. I, I forgot I've got to change the oil in, in Lisa's car. That's got to come up. I'm sorry, Lord. You know what? Stop at that moment and pray about it. God knows what you're wired like. And he can go, you know what, let's, Tim, let's just work with that. Okay, I'll, we'll work on, on changing the, the oil. Now, spend some time with me. Pray differently. Pray with the mindset that I'm coming and I want God first in my prayers. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. He'll take care of the rest. That's a divine promise. That's a great promise and very precious. Pray differently. The hardest one, I think, on my list, I, I hesitate to put it down was desire differently we are far too easily satisfied we will take the shortcut every time if we get the chance we will be satisfied with the death scroll how many tiktok videos can i look at even if i don't even stop and look at them i'm just scrolling through oh that's an interesting airplane one. Oh, look at that cat isn't that cute and it satisfies because it's flashing lights and it's flickering. Don't be satisfied with less. Desire more. Desire God. Say, Lord, I'm going to put you first. And I know it's going to be hard for me to take the iPad and set it aside. But, Lord, I'm going to do that because I want more time with you. Pay attention to your desires. Curate your desires. Desire differently. Desire greater things. You've got to pray, by the way, to get there. You're going to need divine help with that. Believe differently. God's precious promises, like I said, are not like purchasing an extended warranty. They're the heart of God's love for us. So if you believe God as in uh, mental assent, yes, I think God is real, that's different than Trusting in his great and very precious promises because he's personal. He's a person. And so believe not abstractly, but in a very tangible way. And, and hang on to those great promises. As you're reading through your scripture, look for those. Highlight them. Write them down. Remember them because that's how he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. is through his great and precious promises so that we can escape the corruption that's in the world through evil desires.
memorize those promises and believe those promises. Lord, you said you would do this, and I'm trusting you. So believe differently. Another thing you can do is Monday morning, tomorrow morning when you wake up, see yourself differently. So as you grow in knowing Jesus more and as you recognize his glory and his excellence, understand how poor it is if you put yourself at the center of the universe. You are just not strong enough to to do it. You are not that important. You are not big enough. And so think of yourself differently. I am not the most important person in this room, even when I'm alone. God is. Now, don't take that to the opposite extreme and think, I am just total garbage, useless, wasted, I'm nothing, I don't deserve anything, I'm just trash. Because that's not true either. You are made in the image of God. You have an imprint on you of the divine nature. Not the fullness of it, but but that means you have value, you have intrinsic value. You are told, love your neighbor as yourself. That is not saying don't love yourself, just love your neighbor. It's saying you do love yourself, you care for yourself. So think of yourself differently. Love yourself, but not in the center of the equation, but next to it. This is who God is, and this is who I am before you. And remember what we said at the end of uh, of, uh, 1 Peter. God gives grace to the humble. I defined humble as saying I agree with God as far as who I am. I am not the center of the universe, but neither am I excluded or garbage or, or cast away. I am a child of God. I am who he's made me to be. I've been adopted into his family. Think about yourself. See yourself differently. And I almost re-term this one, but it's, it's, it's got some punch to it. Sin differently. Sin differently. So when you sin, because... Notice Peter says, by these we escape the corruption that's in the world through uh, evil desire. He doesn't say, you're absolutely free from it. He's, we're fleeing from, we're leading, being led away. That's what it means to grow in grace, is to have less of that and more of God. So you're going to sin. When you do sin, when you think, you know, that one little lie would just smooth things over, Instead of sinning and going, man, I wish I hadn't lied because now I have to keep it straight and they may figure out that I lied and it's going to be really confusing. Instead of saying, I'm at, the, I'm at the center of the problem of sin, look at sin differently and say, you know what, Lord? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and I just lied. I am pushing myself away from who you are at your very center. You are truth, and I've just lied, and I don't want that. Now go apologize to the person you lied to, but the person that you've offended first and foremost is God. See sin that way. And see if that doesn't lead you away from sin, doesn't enable you in some degree to war against sin because it's not, I might get caught, people will think less of me, it's kind of embarrassing, I wish I hadn't done it. Um, it, it, it's, It's kind of gooey and I don't really like it half an hour later or something like that. Instead, look at it and go, I have offended a a divine being. I have offended a holy God. And see if that doesn't affect how you repent and how you look at sin. So sin differently. So again, God's divine nature is not an abstract set of facts and figures that don't apply. As we understand who he is, 
We grasp onto that through his promises, and that affects our desires. And you will only do what you want to do. That's all your heart will do, is what you want. So if your desires are recalibrated, if your desires are made different, through the true knowledge of him, through grasping and believing his very great and precious promises, then your desires will be realigned, and you will grow in grace. And you see, that's the only way you can do this, because it's still grace. It's not, you were saved by grace alone, now go try real hard. It's still, Lord, I'm coming to you. I want more of you. That's, that's all I can do. I have nothing to offer. There is a song from the early 90s that I think expresses this well. It says, this world has nothing for me, and this world has everything. All that I could want and nothing that I need. That's, that's the evil desires. That's the, the, the lust of the flesh. That's the, the things that the world's pushing in on you and going, this is so much. Look, it's available right now. You can just have it. Just take it. When God is saying, that's not going to satisfy. It's not going to cause you to grow in grace. His divine power has granted us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. That's where our hope needs to be. That's how we grow in grace. Let's pray. Lord, I wish we could plaster the walls with your promises, just one after another from the scriptures, tape them up and see them on a regular basis. Lord, or have them playing in our car. Every time we get in the car, we hear you announcing your great and precious promises to us. But Lord, that's not how you've ordained it. That's not how you've put it together. Lord, you've put them in your word and you set it before us, preserved perfectly without error so that we can read your great and precious promises. And so Lord, I pray for all of us that as we're doing our Bible study this week, as we're looking into your word, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you cause us to hear those promises, to believe them and to trust them? And Lord, we want that, not because we're greedy and we want all the stuff, but Lord, because we want more of you. We want to participate in the divine nature. We want to be so close to you that we participate with you, that we sample who you are, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, that's what we want, so that we'll grow in grace. Father, would you please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, make that a reality in all of our lives this week. Help us to see differently to read differently, to desire differently. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
us as we praise the Lord. Unending 
Okay, so I want to invite you to take out your communication card from the seat back in front of you and let us know. Um, it's not a, an attendance roster. <laughs> Just if you want uh, some more information or um, if something's going on, please put on the back your prayer requests. Uh, we do pray for them. They come out every week, and, and we have an email group that will be praying for you specifically. So please let us know um, your prayer requests. Um, I restocked the women's devotional uh, on the Trinity Reads table, uh, uh, Joy, Daily Joy, uh, the men's is Daily Strength. Um, if you want an, not just the scriptures, but somebody talking in your ear that will help you read the scriptures and look for God, those devotionals are great. They, they, they go through and they'll, they'll talk through different portions of scripture, and inevitably it always comes back to who Jesus is. So those are a great augment to your own Bible reading. So I can't stress, I can't uh, recommend them highly enough. Um, there are signups on the welcome table for just about everything. We've got signups for um, the uh, media team, for the men's breakfast. Those signups still out there, Harlan? Yep, signups for the men's breakfast. And um, I think we still have signups for ushering, right? Yeah, so we need some help. This is a great opportunity for you to go ahead and serve. Um, so we're going to ask the ushers to pass the baskets. So if you give traditionally and put money in the basket, that's great. If you give online, that, that works too. Um, you can put your communication card in there. are too young to remember laughing, but this just in. Um, this was part of the announcement that I forgot. Today's the last day to sign up for the men's breakfast. Uh, it's Men's Connect Prayer Breakfast, which will be August 6th at 9 here in the church. So if you sign up on the, on the table out there, what you're going to bring, um, it's, uh, it's all the information's out there. See Harlan if you have more information. And I thought that was a pretty good laugh-in imitation. This just in <laughs> from beautiful downtown Burbank. So, um, okay, so can I ask you to uh, rise for our benediction? Um, that theme of, of knowing God more and having that form your life is one that uh, we were saying in Sunday school just kind of echoes throughout scripture. This is from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also... With him, graciously give us all things. Amen.